This morning's reading is taken from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Good morning. So it's been a while since I've actually been up on this platform. It's a strange experience uh, being up here sharing God's word with you. In the meantime, a lot has changed. I got married, which is very exciting, and uh, started a couple of new jobs, um, which has been certainly an adventure, learning a lot of new things. During this time, uh, my wife has started her teacher training, and to avoid distracting her while she's been busy trying to work, I've been binge-watching certain TV series. One of the series I've been watching is called The Newsroom. I wonder if anyone's heard of The Newsroom? Just, oh, one, very fantastic. You know what I'm going on about. Everyone knows this will mean nothing to you now. The next 20 minutes going to be utterly irrelevant. But anyway, this, this TV series is about a group of American TV journalists who decided that the way people are broadcasting the news is wrong, it isn't being done right. People are leaning either too far to the left politically or too far to the right. They're not having reliable sources uh, to give information during interviews. And ultimately, so many TV stations doing the news just want to entertain. That's all they want to do. They want to twist around your emotions, make you think a certain way, all just to please the advertisers. So this group of people, they decide, we're going to do the news, we're going to do facts. We want people to be informed. The people who are voting in the country, which is America, need to be informed and see every side of the argument. As a lot of the series, it delves into some American politics, which, admittedly, I don't fully understand all of them, but there are two words that seem to come up a lot, conservative and liberal. And it seems a shame that in our current theological and political era that these words have lost their real meaning. And it seems now that conservative and liberal are complete opposites. The true opposite of to conserve is throw away, waste, squander. To conserve actually means to maintain, to hold on to and preserve. Of course, that can be bad if you're holding on to something that's negative, but it's good if you're holding on to what's true and what's helpful. And the true opposite of liberal is stingy and tight-fisted, not wanting to give anything up, being utterly uncharitable. But to be liberal used to mean to be generous and free-handed. So in theory, it's actually a good thing to be both. It is good to be both liberal and conservative, hold fast to what is true 
and good and beautiful and precious and be free-handed and generous and large-hearted with what it is that you have. So in the passage we had read to us earlier, it's a letter to Timothy written by Paul. And Paul is saying you need to be conservative in this historic sense. He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. Continue in, remain in, stay in what it is that you have learned. Conserve the truth that you know and trust and don't leave it. And there's a reason why there's a but at the beginning of that sentence um, to Timothy. Earlier in the passage, Paul's writing about evil people and imposters who go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The word for go on is advance, progress. And so these people are a group who do not stay in or continue in or stay in, but they are going beyond the truth that they have learned. They're the people, if you read ahead in Timothy in uh, chapter 4, who turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So Paul is saying, don't turn away. Don't turn your back on it. And don't consider it progress to move beyond the truth that you've already heard. So that's the main point of this passage. And I invite you, if you have a Bible, um, to turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. You're going to be going from verse 14. And we're going to break it down because I believe there are, there are six main points as to why you need to hold on to what it is um, that Paul is saying. And firstly, Paul is saying, verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. One reason we believe the truth is because of reliable sources that tell us the truth. Going back to uh, the TV series Newsroom, the idea that you, if you have a news event and you want to give facts, you need reliable witnesses. Not anyone who can be corrupted to twist the message or twist the news into a certain way, but someone reliable and credible. Now, as a young man growing up in my formative years, there were people who influenced me in my life as I was growing up. Some of them were negative. I was a teenager. Um, and obviously being around other teenagers, you'd get a lot of different influences in your life, putting you one way and putting you another way. But undoubtedly, there are people who influence me in a really positive way. People here in this church, for example. Incredible people who are faithful and honest and kind. And people who taught me the Bible the way it's meant to be read, critically, but with an open mind. And without those people, I'm I'm pretty certain I wouldn't be standing here this morning sharing this with you. For Timothy in his life, his influences were most probably his grandmother and his mother. Verse 15 refers to Timothy's childhood or his infancy. And earlier in this letter to Timothy, Paul referred to Lois and Eunice as a source of Timothy's faith. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in the grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure, dwells in you as well. The point that Paul is making is that Timothy's reason for standing his ground for the truth that he has learned is the character traits of the people from whom he learnt them. The point is that nice mothers and nice grandmothers are perfect, or indeed fathers and grandfathers are perfect. That's, that's not true at all. Everybody makes mistakes. 
The point is there's something about these women that made Timothy hold fast to the truth that he was told. The way that they lived would have stuck with him as he was growing up. And as I said, the test isn't perfect. But Paul is saying part of the foundation of your confidence in what you are taught is the kind of people who teach you. Reliable testimonies are a valid source of true knowledge, and the quality of the witnesses increases the credibility. So, look to others around you. See who stands out as being an example of someone with a strong faith, a good lifestyle, and someone who's able to share the word of God. But it isn't just an excuse to sit back and think everyone else can do the work. You yourselves can be those examples to share the word of God with other people, to be spiritually attractive to other people so people come to you. And then you can lead others to the word of God and lead others to see the marks of divine holiness in the scripture. The passage continues. Um, so you've learned this from childhood and you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, literally the holy writings. Don't forsake the scriptures. Don't turn your back on the scriptures. Conserve the scriptures because they bear the unique marks of God's holiness. They have a divine quality. They're completely different from any other types of writing because they bear the marks of our creator God. Not only do we believe things because of the character of the witnesses, but also because of the intrinsic marks of truth. And in the case of the Bible, the intrinsic marks of divine truth. Just as God's holiness is his utter uniqueness, so the scriptures share in that holiness and have their own self-authenticating unique traits. The authority of the Bible is so clear to see. It sets prisoners free, it reforms sinners, and it changes lives. So Paul is saying here, you've learnt the scriptures from your mother and your grandmother, and they have shown you the unique signs of holiness in them. Stay with them. Every time he's saying, stay with them. Because the writings are holy, and the power of scripture can save sinners. In this passage, in the translation I'm using, it says, they're able to make you wise for salvation. One of the ways we come to trust the message is by the power it has to change people. In this case, Paul reminds Timothy that the scriptures give a kind of wisdom that leads a person to salvation. And the scriptures are uniquely suited to subdue folly and impart wisdom, which could then see reality of the saving truth. There is no other truth like it in the world. This truth has the power to change your life and it gives you the wisdom that can lead to salvation. And that's because the scriptures point you to Christ. And the salvation comes through Christ, as you can see in verse 15. So it says, don't leave the truth of the scriptures, most likely the Old Testament scriptures, because they lead us to Christ, much like a movie trailer would ultimately lead us to a new film. The other day, um, Dale will probably be with me on this one, um, a new trailer's released for The Avengers. Love comic book movies. And I saw this trailer, it looks so exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. But I've got to wait until May next year until I can actually see it. And I'm quite impatient. 
And so all the time I'll be excited, I'll be ready, wanting to get my ticket as soon as they're released. I want to read all about it and, and get really ready and psyched up for it. And I know I have to wait until May. Imagine if you were alive in the time of the Old Testament prophets, for example, Isaiah. He effectively was releasing trailers, releasing teasers, leading towards Christ coming to earth. People would have been so excited. They have been really ready for it. They say, oh, please let that come soon. Please let it come soon. We can't possibly wait. Is that kind of witness that people latched onto saying, yes, Isaiah, he's, he's leading us towards this person. Let's get ready for that. For Timothy, he met Jesus by name in the testimony of Christian witnesses back in Lystra. But it's reading the scriptures that gave him spiritual wisdom to recognize him and receive him to actually see the final blockbuster, so to speak. The scriptures prepare your mind and heart to see Jesus for who he is and to believe in him. So don't walk away from those writings that brought you to Christ. And this is one of the most important statements in the Bible. Um, Jack mentioned this earlier during a children's talk. It's verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed inspired, we usually say, uniquely. Not like we might say a beautiful piece of music was inspired or a painting was inspired. The Bible was breathed out by God so to make the scriptures his very own words. The scriptures in view here, as Paul's writing Timothy, are most likely the Old Testament. A Jewish family like Timothy and Lois and Eunice would have held fast to the Old Testament scriptures. They are to believe them, they are to love them and hold them close to their heart. But there are some really good reasons why we should treat the New Testament as well with the same authority. Uh, One is that Jesus saw his own teaching as being on par with the scripture. He didn't speak of his own accord, but he spoke, uh, God speak through him um, to do his work. Another, Jesus prepared his apostles to speak with divine authority. For the sake of the church, the disciples are being guided by the spirit of God. And the apostles claim to be inspired by God, not human wisdom, but the wisdom that comes by the Spirit. Another is that Peter said that Paul's letters were part of the authoritative scriptures, and some people actually twisted Paul's letters much like they did the Old Testament scriptures as well. So when Paul speaks of scripture being inspired, it does refer by implication to the Old and the New Testament. So the whole Bible that we have today is breathed out by God. Now, if you contrast what Paul says here about Scripture, what Peter says in 2 Peter, uh, chapter 1, Peter says, in the search of Peter, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke from God as they were carried along. So Peter emphasizes here that the writers of of Scripture were inspired, and God carried them so to speak, influence their minds so that God's word was truly being spoken. But here, Paul is focusing on the writings themselves and not the writers. He tells Timothy in verse 16 not to forsake the truth of these writings because the writings themselves are God-breathed. God's influence was not simply on the mind of the writers in general, but his attention to the process of creating the scriptures was so precise, they were his own words. The very words of God. Jack led us in a Bible drill earlier. Um, 
if you have a Bible, can you just pick it up? If you have a Bible in front of you, just, just hold on to it. We're not actually going to do a drill, but just, just hold on to the Bible. Or maybe one of these texts, have people got a Bible on their phone, that's cool as well. If you have a Bible, just flick open on the um, app. As you hold it, and you touch it, and you feel the pages, and you, you flick through it, have you ever been half as amazed as you should be about what it is you hold in your hands? The creator of the entire universe made a book. Some books are ordinary, some books are boring, some books gather dust on our shelves because they're read once and then put down and never touched again. This is no ordinary book, or indeed, if you have it on your phone, it's no ordinary app. We can read the very mind of God in this book. And that is staggering. We have access to knowledge that can change lives. It is unshakably true. And it has such infinite value. Do we treasure this book nearly as much as we should. This is the word of God, written by many, many different hands, but it is the word of God. Over the many decades that this church has stood, there have been many different people to stand up here and to speak and to lead worship. We're blessed to have two ministers uh, who are so passionate about doing that and other members of the congregation who stand up here to speak and to lead worship. There's so many different styles of leading worship and preaching, so many different voices. But ultimately, there is only one voice here in this church. There is only one voice that never changes, and that is the divine voice of God. His word will never change. It is fixed forever in God-breathed scripture. And if there's any key to God's merciful blessing on the history of this church, it's this. We have continued and stayed in and remained in the God-breathed, gospel-centred, perfect word of God. This is the most foundational reason why you should continue in the truth you have learned and believed. It is the truth of God-breathed scripture. And this scripture is profitable, eternally profitable. Looking on to uh, verse 16 and 17, it says, All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Because scripture is the very, is the very word of God, it is supremely profitable. And this word is used previously in the first letter to Timothy in chapter 4. Um, and Paul writes that bodily training is little profitable. There you have it, the very word of God saying you don't actually need to go to the gym because it's not really going to affect you anyway. But godliness is of value in every single way and it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And this prophet is explained here uh, in this second letter to Timothy. The effect of scripture according to verse 17 is that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That's what godliness is. And where it comes about is by the scripture. Scripture in the hands of the Holy Spirit. It has the power to make us the kind of people who can discern what needs to be done 
and then go on and do it. We can be equipped for every good work. Equipped for action. The God-breathed Bible aims to make us holy. Aims to make us godly. It makes us doers of good in this world, and we shouldn't miss out on that. The doctrines of the Bible are designed to produce deeds, good deeds, and they do it by teaching righteousness. We should hold fast to that teaching. And so to conclude, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, don't forsake the teaching of your mother and your grandmother. Continue in it. Stay in it. Remain in it. Why? Because of the character of the people who taught you the truth. Because of the marks of divine holiness that are in the scriptures. Because of the power of scripture to make you wise unto salvation. Because the scripture brought you to Christ. All scripture is God-breathed. And because the scripture is profitable. Eternally profitable. So Brian Road, I pray all of us here we can be conservative with the truth of Scripture. We hold fast to it. We preserve it. Keep it close. But then may us be liberal in sharing it with others around us who don't know it. Amen.